You're listening to The Exchange. I'm your host, Dr. Lorraine. Today we are going to be talking about navigating through disappointments. And I am so happy to have my UGST professor and mentor, Dr. Cindy Miller. And she is going to be talking to us about this amazing subject. And I have learned so much from her over the years. And I am just elated to be able to share her knowledge with you all today. So Dr. Miller, thank you so much for being my guest on the Exchange Podcast. It just makes me happy to be able to see you again. Well, Lorraine, you know, I always enjoy my time with you. We've we've proven that through the years when we catch up for hours at a time. We don't spend enough time together. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I, this is a subject that is, um, has been kind of in my heart for quite a while. And you taught my personal spiritual discipline class and also my pastoral counseling class at UGST. And um, navigating through disappointments, this is one of the subjects that we learned about. So I wanted to first start off before we go into the subject is just, just for our podcast listeners, I wanted you just to talk a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about what you do in the ministries that you have going on, because you have a lot of things going on, but I wanted to go ahead and share that with our listeners. You know, like, like everyone, we're all busy, right? Mm-hmm. So actually, I'm on campus. Um, this is my UGST office, and there's construction going on outside the door, so I hope you don't hear the drills or whatever's happening out there, but it's it's a good thing. It's all signs of life. Um, I'm a minister, pastor, a wife of a pastor, mother of a pastor, um, so very involved in ministry since the early years. Um, I'm excited. I've started, and we talked about this, Lorraine, I have a podcast now with Ladies Ministries uh, mm-hmm. through Reflections Magazine. It's linked to the page that I write, Let's Talk. Uh, so we've been doing that and learning and growing that, and uh, hopefully uh, everybody will come over and you know listen in and like it as well. So that's been something very new, a real learning curve for me, but I think no matter how old we get, we should keep learning and growing. Um, so yeah, a lot of different ministries, a lot of different opportunities through the years. My PhD is in the field of pastoral care and counseling. And I think my heart where I'm at in this place in life right now is I, I really want to equip people who are doing the work of ministry. Like I want to be that support to them through providing instruction and resources. So yeah, it's kind of where I'm trying to invest my time right now. I wanted to mention too, before I forget that you are a marriage and family therapist, that you have that a degree in counseling. And so that is one of the many things that you do as well as teaching the counseling classes at UGST. Um, but I also wanted to say too, for those of you who she, um, Dr. Miller just mentioned about the Reflections magazine, um, the podcast, the last one that you did with Sister Linda Gleason and Sister Jenny Russell, what an amazing, amazing, insightful interview that was. So if you haven't listened to that, and then before that, Sister Janet Trout, Dr. Janet Trout. So you want to tune into that. I highly encourage you to do that. Um, so I wanted to say, too, that we, um, like I mentioned before, I believe it was our pastoral counseling class. Um, I'm going to get into the subject. I just wanted you to just tell us from the things that you have taught to the graduate school students and that you have taught at many ladies conferences and many conferences in general that you have spoken at, 
Can you tell us a little bit about what the theology of suffering is? Because that's one of the things that we, my first paper that I wrote at UGST, <laughs> I was like, what am I going to write? Theology <laughs> of suffering. And that goes in with our topic of dealing with disappointments. So can you just explain to us what that's about? Well, I'll try to give uh, the short version of a semester long and, you know, <laughs> experience with it. But growing up, I so I grew up uh, in an apostolic home, going to an apostolic church, and through no direct teaching or anyone's fault or being misled, but somehow in my own mind, I got the idea that because I lived for God, I would not ever suffer, you know, because I did all the right things, you know, I, I paid my ties, I taught Sunday school. Um, I just somehow developed this idea that we come to God and he prevents everything from him. So I was really looking for a God of prevention and believing that's the God that I served. Well, we grow up and real life happens. And, and then it's like, well, is it, did I fail the Lord? Am I being punished? Has God forgotten me? Or is it the devil? And somehow I, I don't know how, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I was really disconnected from what the Bible was actually teaching about suffering. I read the Bible. I listened to preaching from the Bible, but that inner belief system, that core belief that I had seemed to put, you know, had filtered everything. And so when life wasn't making sense and when life was hard and serving the Lord was difficult because I felt abandoned or unloved or I didn't have enough faith or whatever, uh, then, you know, it creates a lot of questions and, you know, for, for an unbeliever, a crisis in life is simply just that it's a crisis in life. And, you know, they deal with it the best they can with what resources they have, but for a believer or not everyone, but for a lot of believers, when they have a crisis in life, what happens is they start having a crisis in faith because it's where are you, God? Do you care? Do you see me? And so now the believer has the crisis in faith and the crisis in life and trying to manage both and, and come out with a heart still connected to God's heart. And I, I know that this faulty way we navigate it must grieve him so much because he's such a present help. You know, he doesn't want us doing it. Uh, the hard way. But the Lord led me, and I, I really attribute my counseling training to it. The Lord just kept leading me and teaching me and helping me through it, but really understanding that we we have to know the role of suffering in the life of a believer. Mm -hmm. So when I started teaching at the graduate school, and even in my own church and sharing it as I traveled, we have to understand what does the Bible really say about God, who he is, his plan for us in times of, of deep disappointment and, you know, maybe seemingly unanswered prayers. And what, what is God doing when our lives feel shattered and our hearts are broken? And so, yeah, I think developing um, that understanding with questions like, why does God allow suffering in the lives of believers? And of course, every answer has to come from the word of God. It has to be rooted in scripture. You know, and we hear a lot of explanations about that, but what are the ones that are supported biblically? Because there's a lot of opinions, you know, and, and a lot of 
made up stuff that, you know, it, and then it doesn't work. It fails us. You know, it's not about pray harder, pray more hours, pray at a certain time of day, fast this amount of time and you're going to get or all the other little formulas that people have developed. And that's fear-based behavior. A lot of times we're we're so afraid bad things are going to happen. We develop all these strategies to try to keep it at bay. But what does the Bible say? And, you know, we're going to have those times where we pray prayers that seemingly remain unanswered. Have you ever had an unanswered, seemingly unanswered prayer, right? I have ongoing right now, like, Lord, uh, I'd like to bring this to you again. I, we, we need to keep chatting about it. So what do we do with that? This is a God who hears, a God who sees what are we going to do with this, you know, idea that I'm talking to him and he's ignoring me. So we got to, you know, we have to think that through. We also have to explore, does there always have to be a happy ending to the season or the story to believe that God is involved in, in my life and that he cares about me? What if his view of a happy ending is not my view of a happy ending? And so how do I reconcile that? And and what does the Bible say about that? What is, how is God trying to speak into our lives about it? And then I think what's really important is you have to identify, I have to do this. What is within my control during an out of control season of life? When something is, is painful, there is suffering. What is within my control? And there's very little, but we're, we're busy trying to control the things we cannot control. So I want to control you know, uh, the doctor's report. I want to control the responses. I want to control. And really the only thing I most of the time have control over is my own heart, my own decisions, my own response to what's going on. So that's kind of a very brief, short introduction to this, that starting point of your paper, you know. And I think that this is so important for us to talk about because um, like you mentioned, just growing up in, in church, it's like we think, pray harder, believe more, um, do all of the things. And I mean, I can understand that growing up and as my listeners know, you know, having had been in a car accident at age three, it was the constant thing of like, you just don't have enough faith. And, you know, I mean, you just need to pray a little bit more and this and that, but, you know, realizing for people to kind of take a step back and realize there is a reason for this. There's a purpose for this. There's things that I can learn, or, you know, we don't always like to see it that way. We want God to do exactly what we want him to do and want to make him do what we want him to do and if he would just cooperate right if he would just do what we want him to do and everything just be the problem. exactly exactly and so I just think about that so much in my own life and I think that um it's so important for everybody to kind of understand that there is there is so much to be learned and that those unanswered prayers like praise God thinking now like praise the Lord you didn't let me get what I wanted mm -hmm. um because you saw the things down the road that I didn't see. Um, but we don't always get that glimpse. We don't always get the explanation um, that we want. We don't, God just doesn't set, tell us this, this, and this, and this. You know, he just kind of lets us ride, ride the wave. <laughs> like faith walk or something, you know, <laughs> like right. just trust me. <laughs> just trust me. And so you've already kind of mentioned this, but I always say, why is it important for believers to understand this? And, and you kind of already mentioned this, but, you know, especially us who are people who are led by prayer and praise you can just praise your way out of it and, and and there is a certain extent to praising will change your attitude um but we can't make things happen so 
why do you think that we need to learn this and need to talk about this more? Well, I think when I'm in a good place in life and I don't, you know, I feel the victory. I feel like God is on the throne and all is well in my world. That's a really great time to get into this topic and say, I need, I need answers because as believers, part of our responsibility is to, to be, you know, that part of the body of Christ to be accountable to, and for, you know, to be responsible uh, to each other, be present for each other. And so I have heard, I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm sure in your hospital stays and visitors and situations, even, even people coming up wanting to pray for you, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and in my own family with a, a chronically ill family member that has had numerous life or death experiences, we have heard some amazing things said to us and thankfully, you know, I, I was able to, you know, respond to that. But I think it's important for us to develop an understanding of suffering so that when we are with people who are in the midst of suffering, that we bring them something rich and meaningful and sound doctrine. We speak truth into them, words fitly spoken that bring life and light and healing instead of causing more confusion, more hurt, more distress when they're already in a bad place. Uh, So I think that's important, not offering quick fixes and formulas, because that's not what the Bible offers us. That's our way that we feel stressed watching people suffer. And because I feel stressed seeing you suffer, I want to fix it. I want you to feel better. I want you to stop hurting. And so sometimes we offer these little formulas or quick fixes or pat answers or, you know, something we heard from somebody else. But when when I explore this for myself, I develop life words to offer someone in the midst of suffering. And then, and then I have the opportunity to Lorraine to live it out myself, you know, to repeat those same words to myself on my dark days. Well, I really appreciate that you said that because it is true that we need to learn this because you can cause more damage than you do good. And, you know, like you mentioned in your own life and in mine, it's like, People can say things, you know, everybody means well, which I say this often, everybody means well, but, you know, there's a certain extent to where people say things and it really just causes a lot of confusion, especially as a child. I just remember, you know, as a three and four year old child, the confusion that you can have um, because, you know, well, so-and-so said that I was going to get healed tonight, you know, and, and it didn't happen. So, you know, what happened? I I felt like God told me that you were going to get healed and this is your night. And, you know, the meaning, the well-meaningness that came from that, but what happened when it didn't happen and then the disappointment to feel like, wait, what happened? What was wrong with me? Maybe I didn't have enough faith or maybe something is wrong with me. So the shame that that can often create when it's not coming from a biblical place, it coming from a well-meaning place, but not from a place that is completely accurate. (laughs) Well, and it could be well-meaning or it could be self-serving. I'm not really sure uh, because, you know, when, when people see, okay, your, your careless words that you offered in the moment of your emotions, I'm still picking up the pieces with my loved one three months later. Right. You know, so um, you're more gracious than I am, Lorraine. <laughs> I, I'm just a little <laughs> tired of all that nonsense, you know, because the damage we do to people who are already suffering. 
And so I think really stepping back and saying, this can't be about me. This is about them. And this is about how God wants to interact in their life. What, what is God really wanting to speak to them through his word? If we stay in the word, we're going to be safe. If we get outside of the word and we're just being in our emotions, uh, we can get into some dangerous places. Mm -hmm. And I want to go into my next question is because you have counseled several people and have seen so many people at conferences. And when they come up to you and are saying, um, you know, but I thought my faith was supposed to make me whole my faith, you know, in Christ, the Bible says, if I just have faith, what would be the biblical perspective of what, what would you tell them? Or what have you told them when they've come to you and said, but I had faith and it didn't work out, you know, what, what do I do now? And kind of maybe in a really dark place of what, what should I have done better or differently? Well, I think, you know, it's it's awkward when people walk up at a conference because in five minutes, you don't get the whole story. You don't know. It's just kind of like, blah, here it is. And, you, you know, and I try to be very cautious because I, again, I don't want to create a greater problem than one exists. But just thinking, knowing a person and knowing their struggle, I think we go back to the beginning, Lorraine, what are, what are we hoping for and who are we hoping in? You know, so if I'm continuously disappointed, and you know, I say this all the time, every disappointment is rooted in an expectation, right? And so instead of like, oh, I just got to deal with this disappointment, let's go back and examine the expectation. And if that expectation is because I asked God to do it, he's going to do it. Well, that's an unrealistic expectation and it's not going to be met. And you're always going to feel disappointed. So when we are saying, but I had faith, well, faith for what? The will of God, faith that God was going to just jump and do what you ask him to do. Like, what was that faith in? And I have to have faith in a God who is faithful. So I think that's really important. What do I believe about God? Do I believe he's just? Do I believe he's faithful? Do I believe he sees me and cares about me? Because Everything in my life is going to be driven by the core beliefs that are so deep inside of me. And I can say things with my mouth. I can, I can say all the right words. I can proclaim, you know, certain things I can praise. I can do certain things, but if it's not true to my belief system, if I have a faulty belief system in the core of my being, then it that overshadows everything that I'm trying to say or manipulate or act on. Um, and so what do I really believe about God? If I believe he is faithful, if I believe he is just and merciful and loving, that he sees me and he cares about me, then I think my prayers change. I still say, Lord, I really want this. But I also begin to get into, Lord, I really want it, but I trust you are going to do what's best for me. So, you know, I, I, I often have laughed about this and, and my poor grandmother, she's with the Lord, so she doesn't know I'm talking about her, but <laughs> you know, she was, she was, I don't know if she was the inventor of it, or she just spread the gospel of the wavering doctrine, you know, like anytime she'd say, well, did you pray about it? Well, I did, Mama, I prayed about it. Well, you must have wavered because your prayer's not answered. And I call it the wavering doctrine, you know, and no, I didn't waver. I didn't waver. That is so much stress, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh my goodness. Oh my God. I can't even be human, you know, because I, I might waver. 
And then I want, like God is sitting on the throne looking for a reason to not grant me a, a, a need in my life or to do something for me. You know, he's like, he's looking to get out of being that support to us. And, but I grew up with that and like, no, I don't believe in the wavering doctrine. I believe that God knows me. He created me. He knows, he knows me, uh, but I, but he's not going to be God according to my wish list. He's God. You know, I, I follow him. He's not following me. And the sooner we can, you know, really get in tune with that and line up with him instead of trying to create the God we want to serve, we serve the one who is, that'd be make life a lot easier. So I'm just going to kind of put this example out there. So kind of what we were talking about, if I believe that you said that God will take care of me, that it will be okay in the end, not specifically that it will happen the way that I want it to happen, but just that God is good. And like you mentioned, he sees me and I think about the scripture and people use it a lot and, you know, all things work together for the good to them that love God, them who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28, but it will all work right in the end, but we don't really know what that actually looks like. It will all be good in the end to God, <laughs> to his will, <laughs> for his, purpose. his, purpose, his yeah. purpose. And so knowing and trusting God that, you know, it will be okay. And not necessarily saying it's going to work the way I want it to, but it will be work okay the way that God wants it to. And so if I trust that God loves me and he is faithful and he is good, then I have to trust that whatever he's doing, he's working for my good. And so, you know, I, I can understand how you're mentioning that the thought process has to change. The faulty thought process has to be rooted in a different mindset than in a one like, this has to happen. <laughs> well, and, and, and this doesn't really feel good when you're in pain. You know, this isn't like, thank you, Dr. Mo. That was exactly what I needed to hear today. It's <laughs> like, oh, I did not want to hear that today. I don't want to hear it on a bad day, you know, but there is a shifting that happens in us, you know, that, that scripture you referenced, you know, in, in my former life, uh, I always read that I read it correctly, but I translated it. All things work to make me feel good because I love God. Mm -hmm. And that is not what it says, you know, so really understanding, but you know, if, if, if someone is in deep pain, that's not the time to really navigate like, oh, you really need to get on board with how God thinks about this, you know, and this is going to work for your good. You just, you just praise him. You know, I think there has to be that level of compassion and, and we're just going to be present because you heard, I'm going to let you talk about your disappointment and your hurt, but asking those good questions, you know, where is God in all of this, you know? How do you see God at work in this difficult time? Ask whether you're asking yourself or the, the person you're sitting with who is suffering. And that goes into what I wanted to talk about next is what would you say to someone who has just had some life shattering news or some disappointment, um, some just unexpected thing that has completely pulled the rug out from underneath them. And, and like you mentioned, they're gonna be having some pretty raw emotions and a lot of things are going to going on. So, and I love that you said, you know, some of those things are not going to be comforting to them. You're going to have to kind of create this um, listening and understanding and empathy. But what are kind of some of the things that you would say and something just happened, there was a devastating loss or, or something of that sort. What were some of the conversations or the starter pieces of 
the conversation that she would have with them. Well, you know, when that phone call comes or you're in the room with someone and it's brand new, I think my first response to anyone that is in shock or, you know, really intense in the moment is how can I best support you right now? What do you need from me right now in this moment? Because we just need to stabilize the the moment with them. I think the deeper the deeper conversations come after there has been a sense of your okay, we're stabilized. And it it can be, you know, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in ICU waiting rooms. You know, there's a lot of time to talk about what is God up to and where is he? And how is how is this ever going to work for any good? And I think we also should give ourselves permission uh, to say, I don't know. I don't know what God is up to. And I don't know how this is going to work for good. But I know he's faithful. And my confidence is in a God who loves you and sees you right now. And, you know, I think it's okay not to have the answers. I would rather not have answers and just sit with someone and say, I don't, I don't know what to say right now, but I love you. I care for you. I am present with you and I'm going to pray for you. I would rather do that than to just babble a bunch of stuff that leaves them feeling dazed and glazed and bitter and angry, (laughs) you know, and they leave the church because I just couldn't shut my mouth. (laughs) And that is good advice, just being the ministry of presence, just being there in that moment. And what, what a big thing that is for somebody who is just going through that painful moment of just like, and I'm, you know, thinking about things in my own life, you know, the first thing sometimes is angry, upset, like what on earth had just happened? I thought he was doing everything right. Just all of those questions, but allowing people to be human and getting all of those thoughts and feelings out. But then knowing that when their emotions kind of calm down, like you mentioned, you've got plenty of time, then, you know, we can have other conversations that will probably feel more rational because in that moment, you're not really feeling very rational and not really wanting to you know, there's a lot of things that you're just like, I'm not, can't hear this right now. You know, this is not really sinking in. And, and I think that really for, for people that want to be encouraging and helpful is to understand you're not there to teach a class on suffering. You're not the guest lecturer of the ICU room, you know? <laughs> and so you're not, you're there to offer support. And if they need a class, maybe that's down the road. So sometimes, you, you know, really, giving yourself that understanding um, to say, you know, it's not my place to teach them a Bible study while they're in, in a waiting room or, you know, sitting with a relative or trying to figure out what are we going to do when we get home. And now that we've got this new lifestyle, we're going to be living, you know, I think, I think being patient, a word fitly spoken, and I pray for that every day. I think it's one of my first prayers of the morning, Lord, I don't know who, I'm going to encounter, I don't know what to expect from the day, but fill my mouth with words fitly spoken, words that are in the moment and they mean something to the listener that's from the Lord himself. So, I mean, you've had this experience, Lorraine, I've had this experience. I'm sitting in in a hospital room and someone's just like, blah, 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 and I'm smiling and I'm not in, but inside I'm saying, shut up. Right. Right now, you know, and, and, and like you said, we're, we do it because we're like, oh, good heart, good heart, good heart. 
but I do think with all the good hearts need to like take a moment, like, and they're listening to this podcast. So they are taking a moment and saying, okay, I've been nervous. I, I didn't understand. Uh, I've said some things I need to reevaluate. And I just like, I applaud you. I give you a standing ovation that for everyone willing to say, I am going to ask the hard questions and I am going to create responses that are appropriate and godly and biblically driven. Mm -hmm. And that is so key to just being there and not like mentioning just babble because I have been there too. I'm just like, just drink your coffee. Yes. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks and, for stopping uh, by. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, just keep eating the donuts and we'll just, you know, <laughs> we'll just go on. Just be there. Just don't say yes. anything. Just keep eating the donuts um, or, or whatever they're bringing. So I just wanted to kind of go into as we're, as we're wrapping up this podcast interview, because this really is about educating people. It's really about talking about how can we be a support system to people that are suffering. And you've already mentioned so many things about just thinking about what you're gonna say, a word fitly spoken. Um, but just what are some of the last things that you didn't mention kind of in closing of ways that we can support the body of Christ when they are suffering or going through a disappointment? Well, I think I think uh, most churches are really, really good at this, you know, where we come together, uh, we're present for each other. So so even in my, you know, little moments of saying, oh, don't say the wrong thing, I think show up. I mean, it's better to show up and maybe you don't have the exact thing I need to hear in the moment, but that's okay. That you loved us enough to show up means the world to us. I think knowing people are praying, uh, it, even if I don't understand what God is up to, to know that you're praying for me really matters. Uh, I may, I may want you to pray more along what I want, but ultimately praying the will of God for every life is so critical, uh, being, being present, but, you know, really learning to help people reflect on their own suffering by asking good questions, you know, um, is so important. It's not that you have to have the right answer. You need the right question sometimes to be able to say, I don't know what he's up to. What do you think God is up to? Where do you think he's at right now? What is, what do you think God is working in your life through this? Sometimes people are asking that question and really that's the question they want to process with someone. Not that they want you to give them the Bible study on it, they're really inviting you in to help me think about this a little bit better. And so instead of being the teacher, uh, just step in and be the one who asks good questions and says, I'm willing to listen to you talk about that. And I don't need to correct you in this moment, um, but I can offer a scripture verse. Well, when you were talking, it made me think of this particular verse. I don't know when I, when I read this to you, does it resonate with you? Is it helpful? Or, or do you feel like it's, you know, it's just not what you need right now? It's okay to ask good questions, but I think really helping people just reflect on what they're going through. I think that's what people are asking for when they ask hard questions. They're asking uh, not for a lecture. They're asking for you. Are you willing to listen to me process this? Mm -hmm. And we, and we don't have, we don't have to be afraid. God knows how to shine brightly. We don't have to worry about his reputation, right? We don't have to protect him. Um, so he's, he's going to show up and do what he does best. And we just need to be facilitators of that process. 
Well, I think that's just the mark of a counselor thinking that you can't give all the answers, that they have to kind of find their own answers and find their own way and asking the right questions so they can process everything and find their own thing. Because if you tell them something, it has to be, they have to know it for themselves. It has to come from them instead of coming from you. Because in that way, it will really stick because they thought through it and they got through the process of, okay, you know, I'm sorting it out in my mind and I'm coming to the conclusion, you know, that this is how I feel that. And then, you know, having a, hopefully getting a better outlook on it once those, those feelings and those thoughts are processed and then just having somebody there to just help you with that. So that's- Because it's inside out, you know, instead of words hitting me, you know, it's something coming from deep inside of me to the surface. It's that aha moment, that understanding. You're right. Absolutely. So important. Well, I um, want to wrap this up, but I have been so blessed to just have you here with me again. And for our podcast listeners to listen to all of this very practical and very helpful information about how to deal and how to navigate disappointments, because like we mentioned before, everybody has them. And one, if you can't be in church for more than five minutes unless, or just be alive, everybody's going to deal with it. Everybody has something, you know. Exactly. And just knowing that, first of all, having the understanding of um, the theology of suffering and having the biblical um, aspect or having that as our starting point or as our starting and ending point um, what is what is rooted in biblical perspectives and instead of just you know people kind of just saying whatever <laughs> the random things that people yeah, say and, and I do think in case in case you're listening and you think I'm mean I do think people who go to visit us in the hospital I do appreciate you it's just you also have to think of that other side, you know, who's on the receiving end of quickly, you know, spoken words and maybe things not thought through. So I do love you yeah. <laughs> for visiting the hospital. No, but this is good though. I think that you know, this is this is about learning. This is about educating. It's about being better. And uh, I say this on all so many of my podcasts. When you know better, you do better. Okay. And so, and so that's what this is about. So thank you so much, Dr. Miller. And well, you definitely want you. Yes. I am so glad. And you are going to be able to hear her again on the um, Reflections podcast. So if you have not subscribed to that, it's on YouTube and on all of the places that you can listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, is there any other place that you can get it on other than YouTube? I, yeah, all the standards. Uh, all the standards. So you want to definitely subscribe, and that comes out with your um, your column from Reflections Magazine, Let's Talk. Right. So it's in the magazine. The column is in the magazine, Let's Talk, and the podcast is kind of like the bigger picture of the small article. Awesome. All right, Dr. Miller, thank you again. And to all of our listeners, we are signing on today. This is Dr. Lorraine from the Exchange Podcast. Bye-bye.